This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Jacob, we're currently standing in two different places right now, but you saw me walk into the building. Why don't you let the folks know what I'm wearing? Why don't you let them know what I got on? Why don't you let them know the drip that's happening right now into this microphone? The drip? Okay, well. Why don't you tell them? The drip was a neon white, if that's even a possible color, with a bright neon white jersey with a bright blue number eight in the center. And I believe that was a Kenny Pickett, University of Pittsburgh, Jersey. However, Tom, I don't know why you're calling it a neon white. It's just a road white. Maybe neon. It's the way the lights. I know. That's why I was trying. Road. I was just trying to amplify the brightness. It was shining like the Lord and Savior Himself, who's coming into Pittsburgh. King Pickett, or should I say, staying in Pittsburgh? Staying in Pittsburgh. You know what I saw, Tom, this morning? What's that? Do you remember that movie, Toy Story Two? No, I've never seen Toy Story. You two. remember when that guy Al from Al's Toy Barn was <laughs> yes. in his apartment complex, and he was like, "I can't believe I gotta go all the way to work on a Saturday." Drives right across the street to Al's Toy Barn. <laughs> right there, all the way across the hall in the Southside facility, making the Pittsburgh Panthers the Pittsburgh Steelers. I-, I was shocked, man. You know, we were sitting in the studio last night doing our stellar draft coverage here on SNR. Stellar. ESPN Pittsburgh, all over everywhere. Uh, the best you're going to get anywhere in this town as far as covering the draft. We got the access. Colbert's sitting down right with us after we make those picks. But, man... We were sitting there, and as the teams that a quarterback was potentially going to go off the board for, we were holding our breath for Malik Willis. You know, we fell for the pump fake like everybody else. The Steelers had you thinking Malik Willis the entire time. And just like Kevin Costner in draft day, it was Kenny Pickett no matter what. No matter... uh. Tom, you and I were watching for a bit together. Yes, that's what I mean. And we were there for the early... I think you left after round or pick number 10 or something. So you and I saw... The Carolina Panthers select, and we said, here it is. What are they going to do? And they draft an offensive lineman. Exactly, and that's when, you know, we thought we had a shot. That's where that's it really started. I mean, that was the turning point right there. Right, because the first five teams, you didn't expect to go after the quarterback, especially the first three that were all defensive players for certain. And then it ended up being the first five players were all defensive players. I wonder the last time that that happened. By the way, there's a lot of weirdness in the draft as yeah, far as there that's was. concerned. This but, was the first time that there was what six, seven wide receivers taken right. before the first twenty picks in the draft. And however, neither of those were selected by the Packers. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get into we'll do a full draft breakdown we will. in one of our episodes. For but sure. but once we got to Carolina at six, things really started to heat up. And then when they passed, the next big obstacle, as you could say, hurdle for the Steelers was Atlanta. And then they also passed. They got the first wide receiver off the board. And then the trade between New Orleans and I forget, I believe New Orleans and Houston maybe. New Orleans had traded up, and we thought, uh-oh, is this where Blurvis here? Oh, you're right. It was weird. Yeah. And yet they go after a wide, wide receiver as well. Right? Yeah. And you know what I think that was? And like I said, we'll get more into this. Drake London went to the Falcons, like you said. Then the Jets took Garrett Wilson. The Saints clearly had wide receiver mocked in one of their drafts or in their big board. And they were like, oh, crap. Here comes the wide receiver run. We got to get up there and jump into this thing. Unlike the Packers. (laughs) Anyway, like I said, we'll get to that. But, yeah, so the Saints jump up. You start to have a little bit of a heart attack. They go with Alave, though. So you're in the clear there. You know teams like – 
the Eagles, the Ravens, the Texans that are coming up, they're not going to pick anybody. But then, uh-oh, here come the Lions at pick number 12. Right. They trade back into the first round. They get a pick from Minnesota. Minnesota goes back to the end of the first round of the draft. And you're thinking again, <laughs> here comes the maybe, you know, maybe the Lions are like, I can't believe this guy fell this far. Let's jump up here and grab him. So it just it, you keep on surviving, right, with these quarterbacks staying on the board. And then you only had the next big hurdle was probably New Orleans right before you, and you knew that it would be there no matter what they picked. I, to me, Tom, I don't know what's a bigger surprise, and I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you say. The fact that all these teams decided to pass on a quarterback or the fact that the Steelers had their choice at both Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. And they chose Kenny Pickett. And they chose Kenny I mean, there are so many, can you believe this? Can you believe I that? Know, right, man? Like, uh, we had talked all offseason about how, for the first time, this draft is more exciting than the rest because there's that potential to take a quarterback. And lo and behold, it freaking happened. And, like, it was the complete opposite of where everybody was looking. Oh, if they are going to take a quarterback. I mean, Matt Williamson was on with Mark Madden the other day before the draft, and he was like, if Malik Willis is at 20, I take him, but no other quarterback in this class. I would think it would be worth it if they're there at 20. And, like, I feel like that was kind of the vibe that everybody was getting from the Steelers. And lo and behold, the whole time they liked Kenny Moore. It's indisputable because they had them both sitting in their lap, and they went with Kenny. Right. That's, I think, the best part of this. It's like we whether, know, whether, right? whether you like, like we, the pick not or not. Like if, if Willis went before him and they picked Pickett, we'd always question was Willis really their guy and they had to settle? Right. Whether right? you like the Kenny Pickett choice or not, it's so hard to say the Kenny Pickett pick, you know, the Kenny Pick at how are we going to go about <laughs> this? But whether you like the selection or not, you now know who Tomlin and Kevin Colbert had their eyes on the whole time. The entire time. And. You know, it's called lying season for a reason. They really did a masterful job painting the picture that they wanted Malik Willis, didn't they? I mean, they especially really Mike Tomlin, did. who always has, especially this past Ben in his last year and being completely immobile. Tomlin, all he talked about was quarterback mobility, quarterback mobility. We we need to prepare for the opponent's quarterback mobility. We need. We, it would be a lot nicer if we could have some quarterback mo- mobility of our own, and that's exactly what Malik Willis can do. And yet they still went with Kenny Pickett, who's not immobile. He's, at, he, I mean, we know the fake slider fake slide, baby. that he Mike did Tom in the ACC championship game. Right, night. he did. What, what was the line that he, he used? He said he's just going to tell him to slide for real. Like right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, all of these, these press conferences and interviews that were leading up to the draft, it did seem like Malik Willis just fit their M.O. It's, and you know what, Tom, the one thing that I really would like to talk about with Kenny Pickett specifically, is Malik Willis. Kenny Pickett is now 24. Kenny Pickett's the same age as Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. All right, so we can get into that right now. Yeah. He's got to start, right? Like, at least you hope that he can win the starting job. I should phrase it that way. Like, you can't just throw him out there if you're going through training camp and you think that Mitch is better. Like, But the big risk, I think, attached to this pick is – He's got to wow at training camp. He's got to win the starting job, or else you're already behind the eight ball. But if he can come out week one, I was better than Mitch, I was better than Mason throughout all of training camp, and he's your guy, then I think you're fine at the age of 24. I honestly think that that's not a huge deal. It's not like it's Brandon Whedon. You know, remember when he came right. out of Oklahoma he was, State and he was I like think 28 he was like 29, years yeah. old or something like that? Like, it's not that ridiculous, but 
if he loses that starting job and he's got to try to climb that mountain to become the starter, whether it's the middle of the first season or what if Mitch just is winning football games and you can't really sit him, then I think that pick becomes pretty kind of – it makes you feel uh, on the inside because he's 24. But if he can get the ground – if he can hit the ground running week one this year, I don't think it's a big deal at all. No, I don't either. Um, the reason I brought it up is just the fact that three days ago we were talking about the Steelers signing Terrell Edmonds over the weekend. And we said how much more of a – how much better the optics were on that on that decision rather than going out and signing Tyron Matthew because right. Tyron Matthew's on the wrong side of 30 now. He's 30 turning 31, whereas Terrell Edmonds, still very young, still very spry. All these signings that you've seen through the offseason so far, ending with Terrell Emmons, none of these guys are older than, what, 26 years old? I believe Terrell Emmons may be the oldest of all these guys. I think you might be right about that. Whereas, I mean, of course, Kenny Pickett is still younger than that, but Malik Willis is even younger than Kenny Pickett, and you would think that with the narrative of, of youth trying to build a team for the future— you could maybe say, well, Malik Willis fits that narrative better for us, but apparently not. Apparently they were comfortable with the veteran status of Kenny Pickett. He he obviously spent some extra time at Pitt with that COVID year that allowed him to stay for six years, not even just five. And I yeah, guess and I mean whether you want to criticize it or not was the right choice for him individually. He was mocked in the fourth round after his fifth year. When he came back, now he's the number twenty overall pick. I mean Right. You want to talk about making a lot of money for yourself. That's a smart decision right there. Oh, absolutely. But I do think that even though he's a little bit older, I kind of like that. I kind of like that for a quarterback. Well, you it's don't... more conducive to he's going to play and we're going to try to win this year. Right. And and I agree with you with the starting week one t- complication. If he can't get ready by week one or he hasn't proven – He's ready to start for this team by week one of the regular season. Then people are really going to start to question this pick. I saw a stat floating around Twitter after he got picked last night that when they calculated total QBR amongst defenses in the NCAA last year that played a pro style, Kenny Pickett was the best in all of college football. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers just went with the most pro ready quarterback. I'm not going to lie, Tom. I spent a lot of time watching, leading up to the draft, watching Malik Willis' highlights. I didn't spend a single second watching him live play at Liberty this year, (laughs) but I spent a lot of time going back and on YouTube and watching highlights and watching his pro day and and watching the combine stuff. But a big thing with him, and you probably saw it in those highlights, he probably looked marvelous in those highlights. Well, here's the thing, Tom. The schools they were playing were probably ridiculous sometimes. So what I did last night was... I stayed up until like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning just watching Kenny Pickett throw the ball downfield. And the guy is so accurate. That's the one thing, too. And, it, dude, it really just – trust me, from a guy who's been there for the all six years, right. it got so much better last year. Like, Oh, he, I'm sure. And you're right about the deep ball, man. Like, the deep ball I, – I'll never forget, like, his big – early in his career, I'd be like, man, he just can't hit the home run. He'd do it every once in a while, but, like – that year last year, and I'm sure you saw this all night long, he just hit that deep ball on a dime every time. Like, every single time, it was boom, right in stride, bang. 
it, it, every time he went deep, I was like, he's got someone. You know what I mean? Like, every time I saw him load, I was like, there's a 99% chance this is going to connect. And that's another thing that Tomlin commented on in his press conference right before the draft happened a couple days ago, saying, we care about quarterback accuracy. And that's one that's one statistic or one category where Kenny Pickett really outshines Malik Willis. Yeah, man, and that's the name of the game right now in the NFL. You know? Sure, yeah. You want to have that accurate quarterback. Like, you want to have that guy that doesn't necessarily— Like, yeah, Mahomes and Allen and, you know, those guys are incredible, but, like, they're also incredibly accurate. And, like, what was the big thing that was holding Allen back from that Mahomes-esque level? And in that conversation was his accuracy, and he has improved that— more than anybody, I think, ever who has just entered the NFL. Like, you used to think, oh, a guy isn't accurate in college. He's not just going to all of a sudden be accurate in the NFL. It doesn't happen like that usually. And Josh Allen kind of broke that mold. He's now incredibly accurate and a freak of nature. And Malik <laughs> Willis has that freak of nature kind of side to him. But you still had to gamble on that accuracy improving in the pros. And just because Josh Allen did that doesn't mean that everybody who's inaccurate in college is going to just walk in and be like, I'll figure this thing out in two or three years and become a 68% completion percentage right. guy. Like, that's just not going to happen. Whereas Kenny Pickett, yeah, I mean, he might not have all the skills to turn into that top-tier, A-list, elite, top-five quarterback, but he could sniff around the top 10 and be incredibly accurate in doing so. And if you fill a team around him that's pretty good and he can most importantly protect the football, you got a decent shot at actually doing something. Absolutely. And, and I mean not maybe this year because loaded AFC and right, it's still going to be a learning curve and you're still kind of young and building this from the ground up. But fast forward two or three years, Pickett's been starting for a couple years now. If he's successful, now you're cooking with gas a little bit here. So when Deshaun Watson officially made his move to Cleveland, everyone was saying, wow, you now have eight teams in the AFC with really good quarterbacks. And that was after the Steelers had acquired Mitch Trubisky, and the Steelers were not included in that eight-team group. With Kenny Pickett now in the Steelers, is there a possibility you could say, well, this kid's a— Rookie, I mean, he's a young kid. He just won the ACC championship. He was a first-round quarterback taken this year. Do you think there's now people saying in the AFC, well, there's eight guys in this possible ninth that could be an issue? I don't know. I don't know if people are kind of getting that vibe from him. Like, I don't know if they see Kenny Pickett as an issue right now, but I think he could be a decent issue in a couple years if he's smart and just executes the offense really successfully. And, uh, again, Kenny Pickett is coming into a situation where the nest is kind of being built for a young quarterback. You know, we talked about this with Mac Jones a lot last year when he was in New England and why that situation was so good for them. Mm -hmm. Good running game. Not a big name like Najee Harris, but you know that they're going to commit to the run, and there was guys like Ramondre Stevenson that had big years right. because Belichick's just going to, you know what I mean? Like, they're just going to commit to that running game, and they're going to scheme up a good running scheme. And good tight end play. They went out and spent money, a lot of money. They were the biggest spenders in free agency last year, and part of that was because they went big on the tight end position to help their young quarterback. Well, we did our depth chart power rankings, and tight mm. end was right near the top as far as the best depth chart for the Steelers. And running back, they got a stud. I mean, an absolute thoroughbred who is going to be the focal point of this offense. And now you got a young quarterback to match with him. And like you said, he's not as mobile as Malik Willis, but he could pull that ball back from Najee's belly every once in a while and get you six or seven yards if he needs to. Uh, he's certainly more capable of doing it than Big Ben, right? And again, Big it's ben, the right? smart. Well, obviously. And again, it's the smarts, right? Like, mm -hmm. 
maybe he doesn't have flashing speed, but he's going to be able to read that end crashing in on Najee more than Malik Willis would to tuck it and go for that extra eight right. or nine yards himself. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I spent a lot of time over the draft leading up period watching Malik Willis highlights, but I spent hours last night only watching Kenny Pickett highlights and, I got I got to be honest. I'm a lot of it. Majority of it was from this past season, so I I I didn't really see the growth that you saw mm-hmm. in live time. But from what I saw, it did seem like he is a he's a student of the game. He seems to learn a lot on the go. And one thing that I heard yesterday, uh, leading up to the start time around seven o'clock, maybe so this was about five or six o'clock. I think Jeremy Fowler tweeted out saying. Malik Willis has, or I'm sorry, Kenny Pickett has this ability to kind of slow down when the going gets tough, when when the circumstances or when the game is on the line, and he's able to really evaluate a lot better than maybe some younger quarterbacks coming into the league would be able to do, and that's what you need now in this league. Pitt's defense last year was a work in progress the entire year. It definitely got better towards the end of the year. It was incredible at sacking the quarterback pretty familiar what's what's in the water here where both our college <laughs> team and our pro team are just incredible at sacking the quarterback but anyway they they struggled they gave up a, like like the reason why they lost to western michigan last year the reason why they lost to miami and to be quite honest with you and it's crazy to say this because they never have this type of season the reason why they were held out of the college football playoff conversation were because you couldn't stop anybody but in a lot of their wins to get to 10 wins it was that same case too and kenny pickett overcame and it's not like he didn't try to overcome Western Michigan either. Trust me. I think he threw like six touchdown passes in that game. He just, the defense could not stop anything. And Miami game's the same story. You know, a safety wasn't called that probably should have been called. Not to say that that's the reason they lost. They shouldn't have been in that situation anyway. But if he had gotten the ball back, there was no doubt that he was going to put points on the board and walk away with that victory. So as far as that whole point of he slows things down, you know, he was kind of having to score constantly mm-hmm. all year to get to that magical 10-win season, win the ACC title. Like, there wasn't going to be any, oh, I can take a day off and my defense can win me a game. Sure, his defense stole him a possession and got some big sacks, and they shut Wake Forest out in the second half of that ACC championship game. But he also put up 40 points in that ACC right. championship game. Like, he knew he had to keep his foot on the gas constantly, and that's a ton of pressure to have to have on you. Like, the college football season, if you're a school like Pitt, you can't make a single mistake. And they made two, but it certainly wasn't his fault. He gave them a chance to win every single game that they had this season on their schedule. And I think it goes into that, what Jeremy was saying. You know, Just because Wake Forest got up by a couple touchdowns in the ACC title game, I'm not going to panic, man. I know I'm putting up 40 points. Hey, defense, don't let him get to 40. I got this. And that's the kind of moxie and... That's the kind of cocky attitude, even though he doesn't really exude that cockiness like a Joe Burrow. But that's that kind of quiet confidence is maybe a better way to put it that you want out of a guy playing at this level. I don't know, Tom. I kind of like to see it confidence-wise from him. I, mean, the, I think he could come out of his shell a little bit more now, now that he's in the show. Sure, I, he, I didn't, he, could. he didn't win the national championship. He wasn't in the college football playoffs, and that hurts. But I still think he's got the he's got the chance to to kind of show that comp to lead a team. I mean, he clearly was the leader for Pitt his last year there. Oh, I no think question. he could be. Even though I we we've said time and time again with Ben Roethlisberger gone, we believe that Najee Harris is the leader of this offense. And even when Mitch Trubisky came in, typically the leader of your offense is going to be your quarterback. But we were saying. 
Mitch, yeah, he'll, he'll, he should get the job, starting job over Mason, but we don't really see him as the leader of this offense right now. I think Kenny Pickett has that ability to, to lead this team. I mean, Najee Harris will be the best player, but I do think that Kenny Pickett has leadership qualities in him, even at even as a rookie. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and he's going to have to, I think, because like we said, that age thing where he's 24, you kind of need him to jump in right away, hit the ground running, and and take control of this team. And again, it's not like he needs to, you know, do it, you know, vocally, because you can lead mm-hmm. by different ways, and it's not always the best to lead vocally when you're just a young kid like that, but. At the same time, you know, I think Najee's going to be there supporting. Like, I think he's going to have the support of the locker room. You saw Cam Hayward tweeting last night, and you saw how excited these guys were to, like, at least know that they got their guy. You know what I mean? Like, this is – they're committed to we need to win, and when you're kind of an elder statesman on that team, that's refreshing to hear. You don't want to go through a rebuild at all when you're later in your career. And, I mean, it's rebuild-ish, but (sighs) – you started with the cornerstone already. You took your quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. This is the heir apparent. There's no question attached to it like a, a Mason Rudolph or just a, a free agent trying to find himself on his third team in the NFL, Mitch Trubisky. Like, this is your first-round pick. You're putting the stamp on it. And something that Max Starks said last night before the draft got started, and this was more so in tune. He was talking specifically about the offensive line, but right. it could be applied to the greater to the team on, on a greater scale or a grander scale. It's that the Steelers really love to build in the draft. Yep. That is their MO. Sure, they'll make the necessary acquisitions via free agency, such as Minka Fitzpatrick or James Ferrier. Obviously, those guys are outliers, but what the Steelers love to do is bring guys in from the beginning, from the ground level, get them oriented with the Pittsburgh Steelers' way of playing football, of way of carrying themselves as professional athletes. And I do believe that even though Ben Roethlisberger is gone and there's really not a, a good mentor in the quarterback room for Kenny Pickett, I think getting – I say getting into the ground level, he's been here. That's that's the crazy thing <laughs> that's is the, that – That's kind of why I think the smokescreen was so effective. Like, yeah, oh, look out in public. They keep talking to Malik Willis. But, like, <laughs> they could do everything behind closed doors. And, and How you many know lunches what? do you think they had in the cafeteria at the facility right. with Kenny Pickett, And right? you know what? Craig Wolfley made, made this – same point last night while he was on the broadcast. He said, there is no team in the NFL who got a better look at Kenny Pickett. So wouldn't it make sense if they got the best look and they selected him? That means that it was obviously the right pick to make. Like, if, like if, you can't if, tell me that Tomlin's just like, you know, early morning stroll with a cup of coffee, doesn't look out over the field, sees Pickett exactly. doing some practice work. So right? if, 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 if the Steelers had that opportunity to watch him day in, day out without having to travel or anything – and they pass on him, maybe that could be an indicator like, oh, maybe Kenny Pickett wasn't the it. right guy. No, they got to see him every single week from, what, September to November, even beyond then when he was just probably working out <laughs> the mean, facilities. Dude, for five years they've seen this. Exactly. I mean, he's been exactly. for how, almost over half a decade. They clearly liked what they saw, and they clearly know, based off of the Steelers' personnel, how much more they can help him. In his professional journey. It's impossible to, like, question the character, too, right? Like, you know his character. Mm -hmm. How could he hide it from you if he's across the hall, just probably seeing you in passing every once in a while? So I think, yeah, that's a great point that Wolf's making there, that, you know, this— they're the team that would have had their due diligence done the most as far as all other 31 teams in the NFL. So it makes sense if they took them. They obviously 
really loved him. One last thing before we wrap up this episode about Pickett. We'll keep talking about him, of course, in the next one. But one thing that was so noticeable last year at Pitt was he will get his guy the ball. Like, if we can find ourselves a top dog number one wide receiver. Tonight. He's going to be. Oh, I like that, Jacob. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> not on the roster. You don't think he's on the roster right Well, now, he could huh? be. But, it, I mean, it's always good to bring in guys who are coming into the league together. Like, last night with the Packers, right? And we'll talk more about them later, about their lack of receivers now on their team still. They were the first team ever to take two teammates playing on the same side of the football in the same round of the same draft in NFL history. They took two Georgia defenders, first team to ever do that. That's crazy. And I think you do it for a reason, right? You you bring in guys who are comfortable with each other. Obviously, Jordan Addison isn't available till next oh, year. buddy, could you imagine? I mean, could you just imagine? That guy, that guy, if he continues to play well this year, though, that guy's trending towards Garrett Wilson territory. I mean, Drake did, did he win the Bolitnikoff yes, Award? Yes, he did. Buddy. There you go. So, like, what do you? What else? What else more do you need from the guy? But that's well, I'm just saying, like, if he can just come back out and he might not have as good a year because he's, I don't think that their quarterback's going to be as good. That's as a good point. But if he can just, you know show out still and be a baller. I'm not saying win the Blitnikoff back-to-back. Then I think he's just going to establish himself as a top-10 pick. But and you don't get him, yeah. But what my point is, it was with Addison, was what I was saying. Like, he fed Addison the rock, man. Right. Like, any time that things got sticky, it was, where's Jordan Addison? And Jordan Addison delivered, like, any, you know. So what's so valuable in the NFL these days is that connection between quarterback and wide receiver. Like, it's not the case anymore, but you just knew if Rodgers needed a first down, he's going to go right. to Devontae Adams. Same with Patrick Mahomes to Tyree Kill, or now it's just Travis Kelsey, but it was one of the two. Right, and like Pickett has shown his ability to get that connection with a guy. Now, he spread the love out, and there was good wide receiver play all around Pitt's play, but like he established that I'm capable of locking in on this guy, my top dog, and if I need a play, I'm going to go to him. And the best example of that, and you, might have, you probably saw this when you were watching the highlights, but... The Virginia game at Heinz Field. Oh, yeah. Whenever they needed to win to clinch the Coastal and go to the ACC championship game, it was kind of a bad throw from Pickett, to be honest. And I honestly thought, Tom, you know, we, was I was talking about off, right? it was going to get picked off. Dude, it, not, I saw it happen in front of my face at the stadium. You I were there, it was right? Over. But then Addison somehow managed to gain control of the ball and then took it to the house. Because you know why? Because he's the best receiver in college football versus some DB that's playing at Virginia. Right. But that's trusting your guy, right? Like, yeah, Pickett underthrew it, but hey, at least he underthrew it to the Blitnikoff winner, right? Go That's and true. make a play, baby. And not only so that, I'm like he made the play and forward. then he put six on the board. Yeah, exactly. He turned it was they needed a first down and he put six on the board. Mm-hmm. Like he turned it into a touchdown. That's that's big play capability from a quarterback trusting a big wide receiver now. Steelers don't really have that other end of the puzzle. Or maybe they do, and it just hasn't made itself available or aware to us yet. I mean, it could easily be though, Najee Harris. I mean, think how many. Yes, in the, the passing ben, game, I'm the, talking about in the passing. I game, get then. that, but think about it. Yes, Ben to AB, solid as ever. But when the Le'Veon Bell era was at its peak, yes, you had Antonio Brown. But I could make the argument maybe that Antonio Brown really had his best games when Le'Veon Bell wasn't an option. Ah, uh, probably. Because you could just go. You could just go or. right to Obviously AB. You want to How many both. times would but, Ben okay, just but, check it down to to Le'Veon and Le'Veon doing Le'Veon kind of things would turn what should have been like a three yard 
dump off into a first down game. Right. You obviously want to have two, like you said, the Hill and Kelsey thing right. that Kansas City had. Sure. So you have, have Najee, so you have one. But I think the wide receiver is so important for oh, the yeah. quarterback. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe it could be. Maybe a, it's Chase. Maybe I, it's Fryermuth. I mean, you don't know what you have well, yet in that guy. I think he's going to be a good safety blanket, especially sure. for Pickett. But, like, man, I don't know. Maybe it's someone they get tonight. You're right. Or, or maybe it's Claypool. Claypool's the one that's still, like, as we, mm-hmm. we surf through this offseason now, He's going to be the one we keep coming back to, right? Because it's just that temptation of what could be. Like sure. It's kind of like Martavis Bryant for different reasons because Martavis flamed out for off-the-field stuff. Chase Claypool just had kind of a disappointing on-the-field performance in his sophomore season. But, like, all the tools are there for him to be a guy that Pickett can zone in on, target a, a crap ton, and, and get multiple double-digit touchdowns on the board with this guy. But until we see it, I mean, it's just going to be us talking into microphones and hoping about it. Yeah. Uh, the good thing is, though, Tom, is that uh, every name we've named so far, Deontay, Chase, Fryer, with Najee, all young. All young. All, all, all have time to improve. No question. No question about that. We got a lot more Kenny Pickett stuff to talk about, so we will pick that up in the next episode. Of course, we'll also look into who is still on our board and what positions they need to address tonight and into the weekend as the 2022 NFL Draft continues to march on. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard, though. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opferman. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we'll talk to you next time.